ever wondered what hypnosis might be and what it can do for you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Hypnosis Everywhere with your host, Inez Simpson. This is the show that talks to everyone from the experienced practitioner to the cautiously curious and, yes, even the skeptics. Now, here's Inez Simpson. Welcome back, everybody, to Hypnosis Everywhere, and I'm here with a very unique guest today. As we are a hypnosis show, he's not a formal hypnotist, but he knows a lot about the mind, so that he's right up my alley. And his name is Aaron McCormick, and he's written a wonderful book called uh, Unbounded Journey to Within. Now, doesn't that sound like right up the hypnosis alley? So understand that just because he's not a hypnotist, the guy has so much knowing, and he's here, and I'm very excited to have him on board. So welcome, Aaron. And would you just give us a little bit of the bio? I know it's all here in the book, and I'll include that on the page of the, your show and all those things. But I'd like a little bit from you. Yeah. Thank you, Inez. I appreciate you having me. When, when I was first told that you wanted to interview me, I'm like, come again? <laughs> Excuse me? Exactly. <laughs> I'm not a, a hypnotist. Um, but yeah, the, the book and my journey is very much about the mind or really the subconscious mind and the power that it wields over us for good and for bad, but it's really all for good, which is another topic we'll cover later. Um, I guess in terms of uh, background or bio, I always hate talking about my own bio, it's, uh, but it, it is the truth of all of our journey, at least our physical journey. So I was uh, one of four kids, I was raised south side of Chicago. Um, I, I was um, raised in a very high control uh, Christian religion, uh, some refer to it as a cult because it's that restrictive. And if you disagree in any way, you lose your entire network of family, friends, the whole bit. Some may know what that is. I don't go, go into it because it really is everyone's truth is their actual truth. And so I'm not here to grind an axe on that or what have you. But this is the reality of my background. So very unique aspects of my youth in that respect. And then, you know, um, South Side of Chicago is obviously very black. My parents were raised in the projects of Chicago. My parents' parents were also raised in the projects of Chicago. I was in the south, uh, south side of the city, as well as parts of the south suburbs, which were also predominantly black. Um, and I had access to everything, really. I had, in terms of the proverbial problems or challenges that we could have, that I could have gone down, had access. A lot of my friends were gang, uh, gangbangers, grew up with them since we were kids, knew all the handshakes. I, it was a very black experience, but I also had you know, access to, uh, like my high school was almost 50-50. So there was quite a bit of 50-50, meaning black and white, quite a bit of uh, whites there. there we were uh, encouraged to go to college. Everybody was, I mean. Many did go. A lot of us didn't. I was one of them. Most of the blacks didn't. Um, and that was, that's kind of the, oh, I also lived in Arizona as a child, lived in um, Houston as a child, uh, just for very short stints, but predominantly my entire youth from the age of about 10 until 20 was Chicago. And then I moved away, went to Texas, and my career started to uh, spout and took off from there. That sounds wonderful. And the whole thing is that you come from a very unique place, which means for you, um, I mean, I grew up probably not much different in a lot of places in different ways. But the, the fact that you are there and I, from what your bio, I, I did notice you had a single mom. I did. Right. So yeah. things weren't easy necessarily. 
You can say that again. Yeah, I was. Okay. I was just being nice about it. So uh, it, it was, I, instead of saying it was totally difficult, I just want to say it's not, it wasn't easy. Right. And, and you know, what's interesting is, you know, as a child, and this is what some of the book gets, uh, gets into, everything is half full, usually for us as children. And what's difficult through one perception is just life and it's easy from another. So I don't consider my childhood difficult per se. Uh, I consider it perfect, I, uh, even though it's full of challenges. I think all of our journeys are meant for us to experience whatever we came to this planet to experience. So yeah, my parents divorced when I was about three or four years old, didn't have a father. I had two older brothers, but ironically, I never felt inside that I was missing a father, if that makes sense. And that's not- total sense is the attitude you yeah. had is fine. Right. right, and that, that's not to disparage anyone that did feel that way. What we feel is what we came here to feel and experience. We'll talk more about that later, but in terms of my personal journey, I wasn't the, you know, the other side of the track so, or the other, the grass is greener sort of mindset. Uh, the neighborhood I grew up in from 10 on was a very small subdivision, you know, maybe 50 houses of a little of a small city that had a lot of blacks and stuff but this small little subdivision uh happened to be mostly white maybe a couple mexican families but predominantly white and the the first week we moved in somebody spray painted niggers suck on our driveway and this is a this is a 10 year old mind right and it rolled right off my back i you know the driveway was blacktop so i spray painted it all you know black and I never had a mindset that told me I was a problem or that life would be challenging, even though I was aware of what happens in the world around me and I experienced it, right? But it never defined my actual journey or the way I viewed or things. Or your worth. It didn't, it didn't affect worth. your worth. Right? Yeah, not at all. And, yeah. and I guess that's part of how maybe we'll get into this uh, as we talk about the book a bit, but I mean... That may be why and how at such a young age, at 20 or so, I began earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in corporate America, in technology, selling to CIOs, that's chief information officer, the top IT guy, the CEOs, COOs, seriously. And they, yeah. got, they have children my age and I'm selling multi-million dollar technology and my peers were 35 40 plus and they were usually white males there was a couple of females but mostly they was like 10 or so white men at this particular first big job i got so six figure base and a huge amount of commission i'm making 400 half million dollars a year and i'm 22 years old i didn't realize how rare that was like i didn't go through this mindset of i'm not supposed to maybe if i did i would have never done that but i just saw the world according to merit i knew that whatever it is i wanted to do i could do it and i thought that of everyone really i just call it naivety call it the actual truth which is what we're going to get into right the, the subconscious knows <laughs> yep. the truth and then the rest are things that the external world or the stimuli as i called it is exerting on us to shape and mold us into our own various boxes or self-imposed limitations and it's very effective at that and we're very effective at limiting ourselves and, yep. and therein becomes our actual reality. I totally agree. See, from the, you're just speaking hypnosis world to me, <laughs> without any formal training, without any other thing. You worked yourself into knowing what to do with the self, 
right? Right. That's really what you did. And your book talks about it and it'll help all kinds of people realize that they can do it too. Yes. Amazingly, when you told me out of a hundred and some odd guests, I'm the only guest that is not associated with hypnotherapy. I thought, okay, so either I'm a, a complete weirdo or I'm onto something, you know, one, one of the two. But <laughs> I no, definitely you. think you're onto something. That's definitely yeah. true. Yeah. Because I think the whole thing, so you're going to go through all kinds of ways of talking about how we deal with things and from the book and also just the whole philosophy you work your life through, all that will just continue. And you, you know, you talked about like this, you made money, you knew how to do that. You just, you just created that very strong thing. And then you also started to get, we're talking about relationships. We're talking about anything really that has an effect on you that you worked your way through into being a very positive human being. Yes. I, I, emphatically know and believe that, or should I say believe and know <laughs> that <laughs> without question, we are our own cause and effect. And yeah. I've lived it to prove it in multiple categories. And I didn't consciously choose to be, you know, to have this experience, these experiences, and to have these realities be so emphatically thrust into my consciousness. I didn't consciously decide that they've just been my journey and and the journey that i've observed when i look out and i see others that are manifesting and living a similar sort of journey so you know the goal here is to um share that because i really do believe that all this talk about how the world changes how the world gets better and there's so much focus on the external how we view others or how people view us and countries battling, uh, races battling, sexes battling. Everybody's looking at the other side and wanting to be perceived a certain way. And the genesis of all of this starts with how we perceive and know ourselves because yourself, I mean, you, uh, you have your own perception of everything affects how you're going to love others because, you know, to love yourself, is the big is the beginning of loving anything else for that matter right i totally agree and people talk about self-love and it's usually in the context of your physical appearance love your black skin <laughs> yeah. okay yeah but that's the beginning uh, or or our weight or our um you know sexuality or all these and all those are great but it's like until you realize that you are there's a bigger part of you that you don't even know right like science says 90% of human thought is unconscious, so, yeah. right? So 90% of what we do and what animates us, we have no freaking clue why we're animated that way. So essentially, most of us don't know ourselves, and that's why the world is so challenged because we're threatened by things we have no business being threatened by. We're insecure about things that are external that we have no business being insecure about. And, and I just feel like once we really understand what we are and have always been since infancy. And I'll talk about how, uh, like in the book, I relate some very universal experiences that we've had and that we've observed that prove that we are what we are beyond any external anything, any external uh, stimuli, as I call it, or influences, labels, all that stuff. But we gradually morph away from it. But I think once you learn the truth of what you are as experienced in your life and the perfection of it, 
then fear dissipates. So when you're no longer fearful of something hurting you, then you don't have this defense mechanism up all the time. And when you're aware of the perfection of your journey, you're no longer worried that someone's about to screw you because you realize (laughs) if I do get screwed, that's part of my design. I learned something from that. I grow from it. So let me stop being so worried about what bad things are going to affect me. And And focusing on that is sort of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly what it is. You know? You know, I'll, I'll never forget. There was a specific moment, Inez, where it consciously hit me that I was the only black dude in the room. Well, when I say consciously, right? Yeah. Don't forget, I am obviously black. I had the traditional, unfortunately traditional in this country, black experience, right? South side of Chicago, inner city, you know, played sports. I've sat, I wore my clothes a certain way, just like our hip hop culture and still love the culture and all. I was heavily into sports, super athletic, all the above. And now I'm 21, 22, 23. And I, I've apparently learned how to shift gears, right? I, I, am, I recognize how to comport myself in any situation. I wasn't white, as they say, but also wasn't my slangy, youthful self, right? So here I am <laughs> conducting business, and I'm controlling a room of about 15 people, and my, all our hands are on the table. And at one point, I, because again, when I experience the world, it's not through this very limited physical lens. Like, I'm a short dude. I'm 5'7". I'm not going, oh, I'm 5'7". I'm not going, oh, shoot, oh, oh no, I'm black. I'm not. I'm the, my camera lens is not back on me and what I am or am not. I'm just looking out. So one day I look at the table and I go, oh, wow. I'm the only black person in this room, <laughs> right? And that's, that's always been the case. But it was a weird moment where I realized visually, because it's like my own mirror. There's a camera that allowed me to contrast all the hands in the room. And, and, and then I kind of realized it. And there's been other experiences where I've experienced overt racism. But through my own lens, uh, I just don't see myself in any particular physical box, including even my nationality. Like, I, I'm appreciative. I love the, the luxuries and the, the liberties that we enjoy in America, the opportunities. But when I travel abroad, I don't have this mindset of I'm an elite American. We're the best country. Not at all. Not even close. I don't I just don't. I'm very fluid, and I don't know where that came from, but I'll talk later on about where our essence originally uh, comes okay. from for all of us, yeah. Yeah, I'd love that. I know, um, I mean, I was born in Belgium. I'm Canadian, but it, it's not about nationality when we go out. It's just about the people or us, you know. Right. It's not about – so I totally get that, what you're saying, and I'm, I'm sure that the – it's a very profound thing that helped you through this journey to become who you are. And this is the important part from the aspect of the listeners. They go, wow, this guy really knows what he's talking about. And really, I think you do. So I really just going to let you roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, be careful what you ask for. You know, your ears might roll off. You never know how much talking will happen. But Well, we have three minutes so to a break. So roll for three minutes. Roll for three minutes. I mean, you, you said something uh, profound about the people and about what we are. I, my personal journey, and I think all of our journey will eventually teach us this, whether we're elderly when we learn it or in a different life or whatever. Who knows how this all works until we die and really know how it works. But, you know, it seems like 
everything that we experience is part of the challenge or game of life to greater and lesser degrees for us to come to realize what everything has always been taught to be throughout humanity, everything meaning in religion, in Christianity, uh, Muslim, Hinduism, Buddhism, and almost every religion throughout history is that we are part of God. God is within us, and God is this ubiquitous force, and God is love. So it's almost like we incarnate into this physical experience to, uh, to experience the, the illusion that we're not all connected. And I'll give you some examples of tangible ways that have proven to me we are actually connected. Not just the woo-woo, lovey-lovey, oh, we're all connected. I mean, like, there's been experiences that I have, and I think we all have had, but we didn't consciously allow them to register as a lesson. And so really the book is actually about all these things that show us the perfection of our journey and who and what we really are in terms of what we came here to experience, what raises our vibe the most, what really brings us joy, um, and the challenges that we have chosen to face, both physically, uh, emotionally, uh, in every category, we've chosen the struggle, so to speak. And yeah. the struggle is, is the beauty of it, just like a diamond or just like lifting weights in the muscle. Um, and, and, and by the way, no one can tell you these things, right? Like all the motivational speakers that put mantras and ideals in your head, well, it's not a feeling or emotion until it's actually believed. And the most believable thing we have is our own experience and our own gut instinct because it's yeah. always there with you. So, I think Well, that's thank you very much. You did an incredible job in keeping that into three <laughs> minutes. And we're going to go to break now. Okay. <laughs> See you on the other side. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. We know lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Hi, this is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and at Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us, the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours. And we explore Simpson Protocol hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before. We'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better. So come join us on Hypnosis Everywhere, amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, send an email to Inez, that's I-N-E-S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Okay, welcome back, everybody, and we're here with Erin McCormick having a great chat. This is ideal for this show, and I love it. And he was alluding to um, us being coming here for the journey or the purpose or whatever we want to call that, the experiences we have now. And I'm just going to get him to expand on that a little bit. Are you willing to do that, Aaron, for us? You can do that, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, purpose, right? Everybody's seeking their purpose. What's ironic is all of our purpose is exactly the same and yet hugely nuanced. So yeah. how's that for a paradox for you, right? Yeah, there, it sounds good to me. Exactly the same, yet hugely nuanced. So what's so similar? Well, all we gotta do is trace ourselves back to being toddlers, really infants, but you should probably go to toddlerhood. That's when you begin to see the patterns and behavior. You look at toddlers, they, they wanna be experienced, they wanna be noticed, but they don't wanna be controlled, right? They're like, they grunt away, but still look at me, please. Yeah. And they vehemently reject whatever suppresses their joy. I want this rattler. I'm enjoying it. Take it from me. Ah! You know, they, <laughs> they're not having it. Uh, they, they know what they want and they don't accept much suppression, control, deviation from it. When we're elderly, we're similar in the sense that we're not living for others. We're not trying to measure up to ideals. We're secure in our skin. We're doing our routine, whatever it is. I wake up, I read my paper, I got my slippers, I do da 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 I walk my dog. You're living your own journey. It's that part in the middle, right? The two bookends of life, we are anchored to our soul, our source, our true purpose of fulfillment and joy and being our own individual sovereign. It's that part in between elementary school where we're looking around and we, we're, we're becoming molded as children. We're peer pressure, our bigger siblings, societal expectations, racial expectations, you know, nationalistic expectations, business expectations, sexual expectations, masculine, feminine, it just, it's infinite and we're gradually morphing. So the purpose we all came here for is to experience some things, both joy, physical experiences. And then the second reason is to connect with, that's why humans are so social. So if I were to boil this into two big macro reasons, and I, I don't believe these are my opinions. I believe that everybody, when they really just think through this, they'll come away with the same conclusions that because you just observe us as infants or as, as, as toddlers, we want to experience something and we also want to touch. I want to, ex, to experience others, to connect. So those are the two basic reasons that we're here. So now when it comes to our seeking of joy how do you apply that purpose to experience joy yet you're in an environment that is deliberately dense with things that can derail you from your actual truth mm -hmm. and then what gradually happens is the fear of the results of the result of not following that external pressure causes you to not experience your actual joy or your actual purpose why you're here. So um, we end up creating more problems for ourselves in that way. Uh, in careers, in relationships, in friendships, we tend to allow ourselves to stay in a condition of internal conflict, great and small, 
and we blame the external stuff. <laughs> we, we blame the job, the boss, the other person in our relationship, the other races. We blame all these different things. And while events around us are real events, they're real things that are happening, we are the absolute power that is in control over what actually affects us and how we experience them. And uh, I, I just think it's a beautiful thing when we go through a process of making that or, you know, making those connections to our personal journey, because then the real power uh, and the real um, fulfillment starts to happen. I always say uh, people that blame is a big waste of time. Right. And they look at you a little bit, un you know, it affects you. The more you blame, the more you don't have responsibility, the less you, you don't take on responsibility, the less you function at a higher level. It's, a, it's the biggest robber of the most valuable thing you have, which is your time, like you just said, because yeah. you get this instant gratification of thinking you're coddling yourself, thinking you feel better because you're good, everyone else is bad. But then the days, weeks, months, years, decades go by while you still face the same thing because the very blame outwardly is prohibiting you from addressing the very things that will allow you to become completely unbounded and not be a victim of I think we're going to pass you and give you a, a, a certificate of being a hypnotist. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do after this. I'm well, going to send you a, a token hypnosis certificate. And be careful about saying token because I am black. You don't want to make me the token black. <laughs> be careful. I'll, I'll be very careful about it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just going back to that, it, you know, it's so important that people understand that they have that control. You just talk about control. And people think when they come to a hypnotist, they're losing control a lot of times because they have this illusion that they are not the powerhouse of the situation. It's them that's in control. And in fact, we enhance their control by giving them more space to do that. Yes. Well, what they don't realize is, and here's the complex paradox of the whole thing. They think they're in control and by relinquishing that conscious control that they now are out of it, what they don't realize is you are never really in control. Your conscious mind nah. hasn't a clue. It just is what it is. So ironically, the book actually is a spiritual yet not spiritual in the typical esoteric sense with all the typical lingo terminology and exercises um, that focus on uh, deliberately going within, such as hypnosis, for example, or meditating. Mm -hmm. I refer to meditation for a hot minute, but the book is about a conscious plan to connect your dots so that in your conscious state, you have these epiphanies that tell you, okay, there's a pattern, there's a process that is bigger than me, that is serving me, and that will start to quell some of your own fears and triggers a bit and then from there you may start going into things like meditation hypnosis and other things we're all serving various um purposes along the path of each other's journey we're all intersecting not by random we think it's random but it's all by design and we're serving uh specific roles to each other and i you know one thing i've learned about myself just to give an example of connecting my own dots and I hope people use this as a way to go through their own connecting of their, of their dots. If you go back to, if you are able to 
first try to remember yourself how you were, but that can only take you so far because yeah. memory goes back to some age and it's your own vantage point and your own vantage point is skewed by accumulated uh, external energy. Yeah. So you don't know where you were your purest self, if you will, but others around you can remember. So you ask some of your older aunts and uncles, right? You want to start laughing. You do this exercise. You ask them, parents, much older siblings, aunts, uncles, what was I like at two, at four, you know, at eight? And you kind of get this thumb sketch of your essence. So, for example, in my case, and I always used to hear that it used to irritate me in my teens, right? You, hear the, you know how family members give you the same embarrassing stories or whatever. <laughs> so I would hear the same story that I was staring at people's mouths at two, inquisitive, inquisitive look on my face, frowning eyes, like, what are you saying? You, you slow down. I got to understand. So I had to understand, and I was trying to talk, and um, I was also super sensitive. So I'm an empath, even as we speak. So I cover mm -hmm. empathy in the book, how empathy has made me millions. It's a whole different topic, how the world thinks one way. It's soft, all this other stuff. But anyhow, so I was very empathetic. I was anti-bully. I would, you know, stick up and include the, the, you know, the poor kid that was ostracized or, on the, you know, being made fun of, whatever. That was, bef that was the earliest memories that people might have of me. Now, I ended up being in an industry that has to do with listening, communicating back, connecting with, because really sales is solving problems and it actually is understanding. Like you can't just, nobody hates a sales guy that just pitches just to pitch. Just, I'm just want to sell you my thing. Once you actually understand where the person's coming from, what they need, what their priorities are, why they care. In the case of complex technology sales, I was selling to entire organizations, entire departments, thousands of people might use the product. And you have this, the, sometimes the COO, chief operating officer that cares about the overall profitability of the company. And you have maybe a VP of some department, it's supply chain. So it's VP of, of logistics or over here. And I had another product I was selling that was a marketing application. The point is all these people have all these personal challenges and personal fears of being obsoleted or uh, their personal career path in the company or the impact that they want to have to get their raise or to all these different things. And if you're not able to empathize and really sit in the seat of the person that is across from you, then your communication will only be with yourself because you're trying to get your objective filled. So my ability, my desire to listen as a baby hugely helped me become number one in so many jobs I've had, earning huge amounts of money where others that were supposedly more educated, right, and were the, the more dominant race in the industry, all these different things, and, and, and I had an aptitude, an aptitude that was natural to me. Didn't make me a better person by any stretch. It just meant that I was more in line with an absolute gift or purpose, purpose meaning joy, the things I enjoy most, listening, understanding, relating, and helping. And so yeah. I was doing something really in my center lane, and it just so happened to, uh, to make me a, a great deal of money. When all of us do what is closer to our natural center, if you will, whatever it is, we enjoy it more, our vibe is higher, we manifest more good things, the money also comes 
And then we progressively we expand and we find that there's even more kind of in the same vein of what our essence is, but even more things that we're here to do and experience. But that's only when we uh, you know, get in contact with that invisible force. Yeah. And I think that invisible force is always within you and everybody, like you say, is looking externally. And even if you looked at it scientifically, you told me the same as I know that we only using approximately 10% of our, our mind to live life. We, it's the other 90% of us that's actually getting us where we need to go, telling us how to do it, all that stuff. But the decisions made by that 10%. So you, you said you allowed yourself to make the right decisions because you looked within. Yep. And the problem with that 10% that's animating us is that 10% is the conscious mind based upon the conscious stuff we've taken in. We've taken yeah. in loads of limitation loads of uh, unfairness and injustice. The, the conscious mind has perceived the human experience according to what it is experiencing. Yeah. The unconscious side was apparently there before we even were born. So for those that are very literal and they go, wait a minute, no, I don't believe that. You're, you exist when you are conceived and then you're a baby and that's the end of it. Well, if we just think about the, the journey and the uh, two examples, right? I'll give two examples of the power of the spirit, the invisible force that apparently is more powerful than all external stimuli. Because I got people that come at me with all kind of stuff. You ain't really black or you've had this, you privileged. And I'm like, how much, more, <laughs> how much more black can I get? I'm pretty chocolate, number one. Number two, I've had an extremely black experience, but they, they assert these, their own limitations. So here's two yeah. interesting examples. We've all heard of people that were born into great privilege. They've got both parents. They've got money. The parents, you know, make a decent living. They get loads of affection, uh, commendation, encouragement, support to be whatever you need to be, child. Not that the parents are perfect, but you get my point, right? They technically had all the fundamentals, and they end up being a delinquent, right? Yeah. Or they end up being the so-called black sheep or the family that doesn't amount to much, et cetera. We've also heard of stories where someone is born a, uh, a minority in a given country or immigrated, so they got odds stacked against them. They have tons of negativity. They're being abused. There's alcoholic uh, members of the family that put them in constant fear. They're told you're not going to amount to anything, right? Just be raided because people are, you know, their parents are living their own experience of what might have happened to them or who knows why, right? And that same individual or individuals end up being highly empathetic, and yet they were abused. Great leaders, inspirational, we've all heard. So you got to say to yourself, how is that possible? And yet their siblings might not have become that sort of thing. Yeah. The point is, we are an essence. We are something before we are the thing that we think we are in our conscious 10%. The 10% is what we think we are, and that's according yeah. to the things we've been told, we've experienced, we've watched, and it hits some of us harder than others. I think, I think one of the things that uh, people often ask me, Inez, is, well, how do you do something about that? How do you, if you're more affected than others, or, or like if someone's more affected than me, someone might say, well, Aaron, okay, you for some reason didn't feel all that pain and negativity about whatever it is, you're being an immigrant or being black or being 
short or, or being, uh, you know, having some sort of physical uh, deformity or, or a handicapped situation. How do I, why am I more affected? It's important for us to note how our physical mind is wired because that will give us the ability to start making conscious adjustments. But nothing you've experienced is actually wrong. Let me just first make, make that clear. What you've experienced is serving you and it's, and it's a matter of time until you understand how and why. But if we understand that there are basically two paths to becoming your actual self, your original self, with, which makes you unbounded, by the way, more on that later, there's two paths. One is through the mind. One is through the heart or spirit, essence. The heart is that thing, physical thing that aligns with that invisible force we talked about that makes the baby whatever it is before people started teaching the baby how to be. It's what we all naturally are. Despite our heredity, we are still something. We gave ourselves various heredity in different situations to give us more of a challenge of phys physical things to still navigate back to the true thing that we chose to experience when we came here. But if we're, how are we doing on time? Oh, we have two minutes, okay, <laughs> I saw that. Um, so if you, if you think about yourself and you go, okay, here's how you determine whether you are mind-driven or spirit-driven which you have a bias toward. You're neither one or the other because nothing is fixed. A mind-driven person obviously can be very much spirit and heart-driven in circumstances and vice versa. So we're not fixed. In fact, we are anything but fixed. We are all super fluid. But here's how to understand your natural bias so that you can uh, consciously manage yourself accordingly. If you've lived a life where you have naturally um, done what's what feels congruent or uh, you know, in your flow, despite what may be perceived you know, negatively or ostracism and all that kind of stuff, and it hurts you more to go against yourself, no matter what consequences, you're more heart-centered. You are more spirit-based, no matter what. If you tended to, uh, like most of us, to be, to be really afraid and to, to change, if it troubles you more to be in conflict with your peers or your family or your culture or all these different things, then you tend to lean more toward the mind. And there's a way to integrate them both. We'll talk about that. And we'll talk that when we come back. That was great segue. Thank you. And so we'll be back and we'll see you on the other side. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Hi, this is Inez Simpson. Thanks for listening to the show, Hypnosis Everywhere. If this is the first time listening, well, we have a whole treasure trove of shows archived here and on Voice America page and on Hypnosis Everywhere website, all free for you to listen to anytime. The first year's broadcast showed the amazing diversity of the talent and the skills of those people who make up our fascinating hypnosis community. This season, Hypnosis Everywhere, the next level, will delve deep into where modern hypnosis is now taking us, the new discoveries and adventures as we explore this infinite mind of ours. And we explore Simpson Protocol hypnosis that is taking us higher and deeper than ever before. We'll talk about the astounding insights that show us how our mind can shape and change our lives for the better. So come join us on Hypnosis Everywhere, amazing people who are on amazing adventures in this world of hypnosis. 
lasers are in use in almost every aspect of the medical profession these days. Now there's a powerful, unique, and safe laser you can use at home. Quantum scalar wave lasers using Tesla technology allow the body to do what it does best, heal itself. Scalar wave lasers work down to the cellular level and can even reset cellular memory for outstanding outcomes. The quantum lasers use three different wavelengths in one laser for optimum results. It's government approved and safe for home use. For more information, visit Simpson Protocol slash lasers or click the banner on this show's webpage. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol. To reach the show today, send an email to Inez, that's I-N-E-S, at InezSimpson.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back, and I'm sorry to say this is our last segment. I I hate that the show sometimes is so great that I never want to end it. So I'm just going to give it back to Aaron to finish off the concept he did before, but I really want him to talk about how this plays out in relationships, your career, any other aspects of life so that people know exactly what it can do for them. Sure. Yeah. And I will. And as we were just wrapping up about knowing yourself, knowing your bias, right brain, left brain, brain period over spirit, which is what those two things actually mean. It doesn't mean that every left-handed person is going to be, you know, anchored to spirit and self, but they are more creative. That usually is a, a physical manifestation of a person's aptitude to be more connected to their soul, to their true creative yeah. source, because we all are co-creators along with God. Uh, but once you realize, okay, so I tend to be more uh, brain-centered, logical, um, and I won't, I won't necessarily force my truth. Uh, because when I say force, that doesn't mean like be a prima donna. There's n- nothing to do with that. It's about things that are genuinely in conflict with you. The book talks a lot about how we've all experienced internal conflict, and you will go through your own scenarios and realize w- what those were and how your true self is never wrong. <laughs> and all your answers are actually there, and you don't need anybody else. But because you're so mind-driven, you need an external source to validate or to tell you it, or to have walked in your shoes before you trust that other source. That is actually the truth. So and that's the reason for books. So, if, <laughs> you know, if, if you're the person, right, <laughs> this is the reason for, if you're the person that um, follows your inner source, so to speak, despite any other, um, if you view conflict with yourself to be more challenging, more painful than conflict with things that are external to you, you're probably not going to read a ton of books. And that's the truth, unless it is technical books about how to, you know, you got to read a book to become a doctor or to fix an engine, et cetera. But you know, you're, you know what you're supposed to be doing because you're, you're heeding that voice. When you're more mind-driven, which is what most of the world is, you got the extra challenge you gave yourself. And that doesn't, by the way, mean that you're flawed or a problem by any stretch. It's just like when you pick various levels of a video game you pick a harder level, then that may mean you're actually more skilled. I mean, who knows how this whole thing plays out? But, but this is kind of a game of life, so to speak, in, in some ways. So, you know, uh, 
That's why you read a book or you take a class or you try or you get validation or you go to someone like Inez because you consciously are aware, I don't like this relationship. I don't like this job anymore. I don't want to be fearful or scared of this person anymore, this friendship, this relationship, whatever it is. And then you start looking for, you know, external context that will help you get out of it. That is uh, that's how you work. And so you actually should be taking conscious steps. And on the other side, you might just have naturally followed that path. And that's how you determine kind of how you are naturally composed and what you can do about it after that. Yeah, that's, I thought that's really very well said. And there's no such thing as right or wrong. Everything is right. Absolutely. And I think <laughs> and, that, that yeah. you know what, Inez, that is the biggest concern I have with some of the, um, just our society, the celebrityism, the guruism, like the, the conundrum I face with even sharing some of these points is the possibility of people either thinking or, uh, um, you know, thinking that I think that I'm a guru or know it all, or them actually thinking they want to be like me or like some, you know, because we, yeah, we live in a world where totally. people overly, and that's, that's, the, that diminishes you we are i believe we are all infinite we all actually are unbounded but we are shackled by our own choice and decision for this journey and whether or not you become unshackled in this life so to speak is all up to your subconscious <laughs> actually all you can really do is consciously try to connect and get in the flow of it in other words stop resisting what's inside of you you've heard people like oprah and all kinds of other folks talk about the art of surrendering or they would say yeah. my biggest power is my ability to surrender and people are like huh what do you mean by that well this is it this and is it's a it's a way of people getting out of their own way that's all it is that's yeah it is. and it's it's so astoundingly pure what you're talking about that the, the you know you haven't had to have training all this stuff i want people to understand that they are beautiful the way they are but if they want to experience a better way of experiencing it, that's totally up there to their choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and you asked earlier about how does this play out in relationships? Well, just yeah. like everything else, we've been conditioned. This is part of the game of life, if you will. We've been conditioned <laughs> that our result is based upon an external reality. You, we're taught that the princess she's pretty the princess gets that prince we're yeah. taught that the prince what does the prince look like he's handsome you know he's he's <laughs> taller than me probably he's probably six foot or whatever the model height is i'm five seven you know he's he's uh on movies and stuff he's a different color or there's all these external things and if i'm that then i will get her and so and then we wonder why a lot of women are very much externally looking for validation both from a man, a marriage, or some, even if they, they may not even be compatible with the guy, they may not even be happy, but they're at a certain age where they feel like they should be married and they're pushing something that their answer is already within, that it's not the fit, but they'll go yeah. down the road, right? Yeah. Uh, there, there's just so much um, of well, there's, us. Yeah, go ahead. There's a lot of outside influence that they've accepted, like your mother saying, well, you better marry that doctor or that whatever it is. So you don't have to be concerned yeah, about money and all those things that compartmentalize the thing. It's a composite and, sketch that we create. Yes. 
and they actually chosen to accept that way to be. So uh, it's all about becoming aware of what you're doing, right? Yeah, and and the key to being, you know, to getting what you want. We, we've heard people say, you attract what you are, not what you want. If that really sunk in, if we, do you really want to be somebody else's crutch? Then why do we make others our crutch? So like if, if you are absolutely unhappy, unless you get somebody, unless you have that boyfriend or girlfriend, then that's a whole lot of expectation and you've made them a crutch. And if you attract what you are, you're their crutch. Guess what that's called? Codependency, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you actually, when you're, we've all been there, right? You, you, you uh, get a breakup happen and you're, you're really needy, you're lonely and stuff like that. We're hum humans are social creatures. So we have that need, but you don't want to attract and end up with your life partner while you're in that imbalanced, needy state, because you're, you're attracting the flawed, not that I believe in flaws, that's a different topic. You're attracting the broken version, the currently weak, broken version of you. Yeah. And that is the non you, because you don't recognize that's not really yourself. That is your current experience. And that is your, you know, weakened self that you've made happen yeah. because of what you've put out there. And then you watch a movie and the first thing you hear is, oh, he completes me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on the pop culture stuff. <laughs> you know, it, yeah. it's, uh, it's really bad. So in, in relationships, the thing that we are seeking is really ourselves. Because just like at the beginning, we were talking about our essence and what we really are uh, and how we gradually begin to tie up so much of our expected experience we, we, we link that to external things that we've consciously taken in. People that look a certain way like me will experience. People that are a certain way will get this or not get this. Oh, I'm not this perfect tin of a woman, so I won't get a, you know, a really handsome guy. Or I, I should There's just a huge amount of things that we have created uh, from an external thing. To the extent that you connect with yourself and live your authentic truth, your joy is already going to be higher without a mate even. Yes, we still want mates and we still need partners and we enjoy that connection, but it won't be the absolute crutch. And then you will end up drawing somebody that is also in a state of self-awareness. And, and, and that's a think about the dynamics of that relationship. When you're a person that is accountable to you, you're fully aware, not from, you know, rhetoric and rah-rah, but you really... And there, are you still there, Aaron? Okay. So I think he was just going to say that you're for within, which is really true. And I'm just going to carry that till he comes back here in a second. Maybe he'll just be come back in, Aaron, if you can. And ultimately, you always have a greater relationship when both people are self-reliant are all those things that you would like to be and you want him to be or her to be. And then when you're both in that space, you can have a great time there. And there he comes right now, I think, coming back. And, but until then, <laughs> since I actually understand where he's going and we only have about three minutes left and I really want to talk about his book. The book will give you so many things to know. 
and how the book it teaches you it'll let you understand where he's coming from because it's very helpful to have his mindset and sorry about that that you disappeared there Aaron I think we only have a few minutes left and I think you oh, I yeah. sort of covered that inside bit about the two people and then maybe I just want you to go about your book because we only have three minutes to promote your book and I think it needs to be promoted because it's great so do gotcha. thank you okay. I have no idea what happened I thought I would have lost you permanently um so uh the book I mean the book is Unbounded, Journey to Your Within, and it, it really is, um, it is a bridge of sorts. The concept of the book is to marry or integrate our, each of our individual physical journey, physical experiences, our life, our um, current cir circumstances, past, present, and future, because our future actually has an energy. When you think of your future, there's an energy, there's a frequency, and only you know what that is. Is it? scary is it bright um but all those past present future they have a frequency but it is the tying of the physical to the unseen so that you can unequivocally understand your own personal purpose across topic purpose yeah. meaning your joy your highest truth without the influence it's like facing your own mirror right without the influence of mom dad's expectations you know, or some other external cultural or what have you sort of expectation. That's really the concept of the book. Yeah. And I think it's really on point. I think it's very good for people to read because they will understand how to look at themselves and how to start changing how they're thinking, all those sort of things. And it's pretty important. And so we're going to have that on the page uh, on Voice America and you can get that. Uh, you can also go tell them your website because on the podcasts, you're not going to have that information out there. So I'd like you to tell them the, and, uh, and where to look for the book, et cetera. Just give us all that information. Yeah, the website is Aaron McCormick. So two A's, R-O-N, McCormick, M-C-C-O-R-M-I-C-K, AaronMcCormick.com, also UnboundedBook.com. And for uh, to get the book, there's links that will take you directly to, I think, Amazon. It's also on Barnes & Noble. It's on some other retailers' websites as well. Social media is The Aaron McCormick on IG, also The Aaron McCormick on uh, Facebook. Wonderful. Thank you. And guess what? We have 30 seconds left, so I think I'll tie up all the things. Mm -hmm. So please go to all those things. Check the page on Voice America to get all the information because I'd really like you to read this book. So I'm just going to say goodbye for now. And really thank you for coming to a hypnoto hypnosis show <laughs> because it's <laughs> thank great. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And we'll see everyone next week. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Be sure to tune in next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition of Hypnosis Everywhere, The Simpson Protocol, with host Inez Simpson. We can't wait to have you join us again next week.